0: You'll excuse the hat.
1: I excuse any kind of headwear on this podcast, as we all
0: know. Had a bit of a a bad hair day. I just came from the beach. Did you actually come from the (laughs) beach? I literally just came from the beach, and that's what we're working with. So, um,
1: you look like a 1980s cricketer. I know. You're in like a white polo top with the shaggiest, most absurd kind of almost Jufro.
0: And I've patted that down as well because with the wind and the salt in my hair, it just went. Yeah, I look like Diana Ross. <laughs>
1: it's uncanny.
0: Yeah. So the hat is the hat's for your, necessary. If, yeah, it's for I'm, you.
1: Yeah. I appreciate the um, the generosity. You do look like a fucking cricketer. All you need is a bit of zinc over your nose. You're like, uh, yeah, mate. A uh, leg slip.
0: Because <laughs> of the shirt.
1: Because of the shirt. Uh,
0: I, was speak, I had this... Um, so, yeah, we did... We did. I mean, I just did come from the beach. Literally came here and set up this. And we got into an... We well, it wasn't an argument of sorts. But it was a a discussion because we made some sandwiches on the beach. And we had them, and obviously the seagulls were very interested in what we were eating. And then we finished them, and then we went into the ocean. And... There was one seagull that, like, just after we left, it just went into our stuff. (laughs) And we were probably, like, 20, 30 meters away from it. And I was just thinking, like, they probably don't have any sense of, like, ownership or possession, do they? They're, like, and the seagull's not going, like, that's their stuff and I'm raiding their stuff. It's just, like, oh, that bee was there, it left, and now I'm there.
1: Yeah, but I think they do know ownership, because if you go, I, and I have, if you walk into a bird's nest, they will fucking try and get you out.
0: Well, that's exactly what Emma said. But um, I don't think that they've got a sense of ownership when it's another being. Like, it has to be well, like... Well, they don't understand what
1: others are, right? They don't know... They have... They're not even, like, self-conscious. They're not self-aware that they exist, right? They don't, know that, it, they but, don't know that but, they're but, an animal. So therefore, but they, they don't. know that other they know, they know that, that other things exist, but they don't know that they exist, right? But they know so that they, there's the, others I, of them. Yeah, but the idea of of them having the self awareness to know what they are and have it is, is is too far. All they do is they act on animal instinct, right? And you've got food in front of them, and they're hungry, and they're like, "Yeah, I'll eat a sandwich, even if it's got cucumber in it."
0: But doesn't it take some self awareness to be like? Like, why are they specifically mating with other of their species? Yeah, because they're like,
1: they're like. But I mean, they're they're impulsive and they're reactionary. So if they go, if right. Seagull One, um, you know, hits up Seagull Two, who's actually in a committed relationship with Seagull Three, um, <laughs> then Seagull Three is gonna, gah, 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 you know, <laughs> and they'll just be like, "Oh fuck, yeah, sorry, out of, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> and I get just... out of there.
0: You know what they do when they are. Uh... When they're pissed off, they go like this. You know, they put their head down.
1: No, I haven't really studied seagulls to the extent that you have.
0: They, they put their head down and they go... Bleh.
1: Why is that their <laughs> response? Maker? Is it like a deference thing? Is that like a, a dog lying on its back?
0: I, I've i been going to the beach a lot in the last few weeks, like at least twice a week. And I've just been seeing... Like, Emma will read a book. I'll just watch the seagulls. And they'll... I'll, every... Every sing, every single time that there's like they sense food and one of them comes over and the a couple of others realize that the other ones sent some food, so they come over and then bully the first one out. And they do it by going like this. That's a that's not a great seagull impression, but I've I'm I'm a David Attenborough of sorts, but just just with seagulls. And also with no scientific basis.
1: My grandfather died. Uh, about uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, so I, I had to... Um, I apologise for the late delivery of this podcast, but I returned home to... At late to be with my family and with my father um, that, in the time that of, the his of That was the opposite of an alley oop.
0: That was <laughs> the opposite. That was like you throwing me. You, you going? Hey, go for this alley oop, and then I go to catch it, and then I fall into some lava.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. you uh, you've been good.
0: Yeah, pretty good yeah just
1: um you know cool my grandfather Hanging died out, so
0: yeah okay get over it <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh welcome to deep Thought, everybody let's just get this yeah you know, get this bit out of the way eh? it's a uh it's a thinky talky podcast and sometimes that's all that you need in life uh sitting through the internet with me today michael's See, mm. I, 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 mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't say his last name. Now you'll that? never know.
0: Remember
1: that? What? All right. And my name is Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. Uh, still, <laughs> so you know, if we're if either. we're if we're picking holes in the old intro format, Michael, still having to say hi, Nick, hi, because you never say hi to me. Um, so <laughs> that's how that <laughs> I've began. Never once... I That's how that began. I had to greet myself on the podcast and it stuck around. So, you know, let's not, let's not pull this thread is what I'm saying. Let's not pull this fucking thread. On a pie chart
0: of how many times you've said hi to me and how many I've said to you. It's a 100% Nick pie chart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even have a colour.
1: Yeah, you're allergic to pie. Um, so
0: when did you get back from Adelaide?
1: Uh, Sunday night. Late Sunday night,
0: right? And how uh, you saw so your grandfather died?
1: Yeah, my grandfather died. Your dad's uh, dad. My dad's dad, my mum's dad, and my mum's mum died twenty years ago. So, this is the first funeral I've been to in twenty years, which is mm. pretty, pretty wild. Like that's nearly a generation.
0: That doesn't. run.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, but does it imply that
0: you're going to get all of them like in once?
1: Uh, I don't know. I think it just implies that we don't know many people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um and how uh, how was it was it emotional? It was uh it was emotional. It was emotional in complicated sort of family reasons. Um Go on. <laughs> I'm not going to go into the absolute super detail of it all on the podcast. But um you know, it's it's a it's a question of relationships really. And in, in a, in a weird way, I didn't know my grandparents until kind of recently. Um, just for years of sort of family shit. Um, they hadn't really been a formative part of my life, particularly growing up. Um, but then even in sort of later years, um, it it was just never that kind of super close relationship um, between my sister and I and my grandparents. Um, So it was only about three years ago when my granddad moved into a nursing home um, and my grandma stayed out in in their family house, which they'd been in for 50 years or something, probably more. Um, It was only when that happened and we sort of got the sense that Ultimately, things were heading in one direction for my grandfather. Um so what, did
0: he, what did he die of?
1: I don't really know. I don't know if they've even officially given a, a coroner's report. Um, How old was he? He was 91, so fair innings. Pretty pretty good innings. It would be probably complications resulting from um, decreased lung function. Um, so over the years, he'd, he'd been in and out in hospital a little bit and had... Um, <sighs> heart stuff and leg stuff and then lung stuff which never really recovered um and so uh yeah i i don't know explicitly what the cause would have been but probably just the body wearing out effectively and the spirit not being there to to sort of say yeah i'm gonna keep trying i'm gonna push on it just kind of went and i think
0: wife's still alive
1: yeah Still got a grandma who's three years older than he was. Um, Ninety four, yeah. Um, so, what
0: was she like? What was she? I've often be? wondered about that. Just like seeing your your life partner die, and people say, like, you know, that oh, you know, it make you probably make it easier if you if you see it coming over in your old age. But still, like, I feel like even if you even if it was like a slow deterioration. It would still be like, oh, this person that I spent like all of my life with yeah. is now gone. That's still a massive shock.
1: Yeah, I think it both was and it wasn't. I mean, it's always going to be heartbreaking. Um, but at the same time, as I sort of said, three years ago, there'd been this this new chapter, effectively, in their life where he was living apart from her and she was living apart for him for the first time in... <sighs> 70 years probably Um, 65 70 years Um, and she was always an independent person um, and still lives in that house Um, arguably 15 years ago they should have really made the decision to move into a support community you know independent living but as part of like a retirement village or something like that as a transition so that they could have done the hard emotional move while they were still basically fit um, and then they could have been together towards the end um, but they didn't actually seem too fussed by it I think he he called her three times a day and um, he sort of picked up new friends and hobbies in the retirement village and she was off doing her own thing around the town um, so it, I think it was kind of okay and all of that is me saying that with that change, I think had come the expectation or the understanding that, you know, things were coming to a close. Um, so my nan, weirdly, I think was, was okay on the, the funeral day. Cause she had lots of people coming up and saying hi and saying how much he mean to her and me meant to them and, and all that kind of thing. So she kind of had, you know, attention slash detra- um, distraction, um, but I think probably the test will be post funeral how you um, how you find things without the the life partner there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but yeah. I mean go my sorry go on my um, to sort of bring it back to the question you asked me the uh, my sort of connection to it all because they were not really around in my childhood. um, I only really got to know my granddad in those three years since he moved into the retirement village and to actually sort of have conversations where he was asking me things and I was asking him things. And dad was there a lot of the time as well. So it was sort of the three generations of the Shadows, um having a chat, which was quite nice. Um, and, uh, you know, ultimately my, my feelings about it are more, for like my dad, in the sense of he's sixty six now, and hadn't lost a parent, Um yeah. so and obviously had a closer uh, relationship than I did with them. So,
0: do you imagine yourself in that position with your own dad? Is it like a little bit of like a? I
1: don't. I, what... I don't think so. I because you're
0: closer with your dad.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think. um in a world when I have grandkids, I would theoretically hope to be around my parents geographically. I mean, so they could yeah. be involved in it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I think that like historically there's just going to be generational stuff where, you know, that was an era that was living through world wars and shit. And, you know, my grandma's mum could have been you know, distant to my grandma and then my grandma and my dad, you know, have issues or whatever, like that's hypothetical. But like, I mean, it's, gen. it seems to be generational. And hopefully with each generation that passes people in society get a little bit better in, in human ways.
0: (laughs) And what was his name?
1: Charles, Charles Shadle, Charlie Shadle, Chaz Shadle. Everyone that came up and spoke called him something else.
0: A couple of Charlies in there. A couple of Charlies. I'm assuming he never listened to the podcast.
1: <laughs> you know, I never asked. <laughs> um, I'm going to assume quite safely that he didn't. Uh, so I'm
0: interested in, in what, because you messaged me, uh, you messaged me saying your grandfather died in in what I could only interpret as an attempt to ruin my Valentine's Day dinner. <laughs> um,
1: or do you want to know his, I'll, I'll tell you something funny in a second, but go on.
0: <laughs> what Almost obviously. Um, I'm interested in what I mean something like that happened you said it hasn't happened in a while you haven't been to a funeral in 20 years Yeah. I'm interested what type of uh, things existentially are you are like because it's a bit of a shock to the system so I'm wondering like you're on, a, you're on a plane obviously going back so there's a bit of time that you're thinking about it. a lot of stuff a lot of stuff is stirring and what are the existential questions that, that went through your head as a result
1: that's a really good question. Um, and I'll, I'll get back to that, but because it's going to be a good answer, well, not a good answer, but it's a good question, I'll um yeah. I'll tell you what my tangent was going to be about the Valentine's Day thing. Uh, yeah. So I, in the week when my granddad died, um, I was teeing up a date with a guy that I was, you know, that I would met on Tinder. Yeah. And we were trying to find, you know, oh, what day are we going to do it? What are we, you know, what are we thinking? And we... We're talking, oh, Wednesday or Thursday, and then realised um, that the Thursday was Valentine's Day, <laughs> and just immediately like, no, Classic. let's not do a first date Classic. on Valentine's Day. Let's absolutely not not do that. Well,
0: you uh, gotta have a date for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, thank you, and never. Um, but uh, so we ended up going on the Wednesday. You
0: almost give it more power by not doing it. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true. Now, now, now the God is more the God of Valentine is more powerful. <laughs> Um, then the
0: terrorists
1: win. Yeah, that's how they uh, won against the war <laughs> the on Christmas. Of love. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting arrows at everybody. Um, <laughs> Romantic calendar. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we ended up having the day on the Wednesday night, which was the thirteenth, and my granddad died on Valentine's Day. Um, oh, so okay. I was out for. Oh. Sorry.
0: I just said lucky. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. <I just> <laughs> <out>. <laughs> so, so, um, so, I was like uh, out for a walk, and then I got the call from my sister, and who told me um, what had happened. Um, and the uh, eventually, I realised later that if we had set up this date to be on the Thursday night on Valentine's Day, at the literal time that. My sister called me, I would have been at the pub having a drink, first date, right. probably about half an hour into the date. And then I would have had a phone call from my sister and I would have been yeah. like, excuse me one second. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have to go. My grandfather's died, <laughs> which is the most <laughs> ridiculous cinema trope yeah. to get yeah. out of a date. That's not <laughs> going well. I felt I, even cause we were scheduling another catch up, um, later when, it, um, like for the weekend ahead, when I then went back to Australia, and yeah. um, even sending the text to be like, "Hey, can we bail on those plans?" My granddad died. Yeah. <laughs> Felt like yeah. the text message that someone would, would send that for a yeah, date yeah, that you yeah. never want to see again. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I am grateful for the sliding doors uh, and <laughs> the fact that I wasn't <laughs> on a date when I got the news.
0: That's very funny.
1: Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, uh, existentially, what was, uh, what was going through my head? Um, there was a little bit of uncertainty about, uh, family dynamics. I know like tensions can be, you know, running high, um, when families like a, a broader family, I mean, um, the family tree goes through um events like this and I was wondering whether or not you know there was going to be fireworks between you know grandma and son or son and sister or you know like all these kind of things so wondering what the potential implications were going to be I was thinking about my dad and wondering how he was going to deal with it um and then sort of personally I suppose when you, uh, particularly in a service or when you're starting to think about the life of someone, you just hold it up against your own, don't you? Um, So, you know, he worked on the railway. That's, what, 70 years ago now, 70 or 80 years ago, 75 years ago. Um, He was a country boy, effectively, living out near Murray Bridge, working on the railway he um, he asked my grandma something like, this is how they, they first went on a date, asked her something like, would you mind if I uh, took you out to dinner? And my grandma said, no, meaning I don't want to go to dinner with you. And he thought that <laughs> no, she meant, mind. no, I don't mind. And so they ended <laughs> up having this um, first date, which was then, you know, Cut to 70 went. years later, and that's like my literally my entire family tree is based on a linguistic misunderstanding, you know. Um, and so you, you think see. about the the flippancy with which we make these decisions day to day, and yeah. when you see the literal implications of it like that, and you think, geez, yeah. if I'd gone on that date, or geez, if I'd said a different thing to that person, who knows how the future can spin off into. A myriad it is of interesting possibilities. how we can
0: mull on a, on a on what we think uh life altering decisions that we can mull on them and stress over them for ages and they turn out to be so incidental and then just like basically tripping or yeah you, you know the more incidental things are the ones that yeah change your life
1: it's so yeah that's the scary thing is that you can worry about and plan for and think about the big moves right the which country am I going to live in, which job am i going to take, which city am I going to move to? Like you can think about all that and they're kind of the known unknowns. But then there's this whole realm of unknown unknowns where every tiny little action, right? Like I spilt Milo on the table. So I spent one more minute mixing and cleaning up and then I left the house one minute later and then, you know, I didn't bump into that person in the street or I didn't catch on that bus or, you know, like it's all that stuff where it's completely unknowable all the like the little shit which is insignificant and yet utterly transformative
0: yeah it's it's it is scary but also kind of encourage like i don't know i think i find that exciting in it in a good way yeah as well because it's like it's funny yeah how random things can be and it also means that
1: you've it also means that you're never powerless in a weird way like it's comforting in, in a sense like Every single action you do has unknowable universe-altering implications. Every single thing, yeah. every day, and every choice. And that I, I don't find that crippling. I find that kind of, as you say, sort of weirdly empowering. Yeah. The idea I, I that mean, who knows where life is going.
0: I mean, also the other way you could, you could, um, uh, yeah. I guess it's like a little bit butterfly effecty, but. You know, yes, it could be like a linguistic misinterpretation that leads to a whole family line, but it also could be you know of like the the classic one of I don't know waking up one minute late, stepping in front of a bus, you know,
1: yeah, yeah, it's um, so I was thinking, you know, like I said, when when you hold your life up against. At someone else's in that way and you think, okay, so I'm 30 effectively. Um, that's a third of my life. You know, you, you start to do the, the maths and you say, well, it's felt like a long time. So really it'll feel like a long time ahead as well. But also you, you look and you say, well, they were married at 21 or actually, I don't know when they got married age-wise, but um, y- you, you, you see the, the, the historical, uh, like the the cultural contrast between where you are as a person and where they were, historically. But also,
0: time time speeds up.
1: Yeah, true. For, from the perspective of the the person living it, yeah, yeah. But
0: um, so you're actually, your perception of time, you actually. Yeah, like you're halfway actually or something. Yeah. You're...
1: <laughs> yeah well i i i can't remember i think we talked about this on the podcast at one point as well but i i i think we there was some study or something which said that the in the in the sense or the mind of like a child the amount of experienced time because as you say it becomes exponentially faster as, well maybe not exponentially it becomes um we perceive it as faster and faster and faster as time goes on. The like a six-year-old or a ten-year-old or something like that has lived half of their time's worth of like experienced.
0: Yeah, I think I do. Saying
1: that. Yeah. I, I I I wish I could be more precise with it from specific memories, but I don't know.
0: Um. Yeah. So you're so, thinking about your own mortality a little bit. And well, how, what put, at what point you are in your, in your I, life compared to your father and your grandfather?
1: Yeah, uh, probably more the mortality than my own, you know, position or, or um, progress. Progress is the wrong way to describe a life, I think. But um, uh, I, I did just have that sort of—I had one little pang of, "I'm going to die," and yeah. it passed. But it is like when you truly just have that moment of, I'm gonna die, and you have that existential flutter of like, <laughs> that is the most fucking horrifying thing I've ever heard of, and then you get on with life and you go and you know, you watch some TV mm-hmm. or whatever. But I did have that that one sort of moment, not even um, at the funeral or anything. Just yeah, just like it it strikes you like a bolt out of the blue, and it's like I'm gonna I, die, I'm gonna I like die. To invite
0: those thoughts into my. Into my- consciousness though yeah i i i mean the dread i don't i don't know i don't get the dread maybe because it's so not real to me but i was i was at the beach today i was just like looking up at the sky and all i could see was blue and i was just looking up and i was just thinking like like everything that we know is just there like everything that in the universe is is there up in this void and I'm not protected really by anything, and it's just like every question that we could possibly have exists like up in this up in this space that's like right above me. And if I could just get there, if I could just move my my physical body up there or to any part of the universe, like I could find out all the questions yeah. that anyone's ever had, and it's all right there. And it's this massive void, and I'm such a small thing
1: yeah i i'm as you know i'm not against like i enjoy that kind of existentialism as well but i think there's i think i distinguish the the kind of microscopic place in the universe existentialism you know the philosophical all that humanity has ever known done or accomplished is one dot in a tiny 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 part of a very very big universe um, at from the sort of intrinsically personal existential horrors of mortality, like I think yeah, there's sort enough. of separate strands, like the ground
0: uh, yeah on the ground level,
1: yeah mm-hmm. but like internal as well, yeah, uh, i mean
0: the suffering the suffering like do you, did it make you think about um you know taking care of your parents there's something that i Sometimes realize that I might have to take care of my
1: parents. Hugely. And and And, and, and I I, I won't really go into it too much, but um, my dad's an atheist. I'm an atheist. Our family's atheist. My grandmother is religious. My aunt and uncle are or were religious, at least spiritual, um, as in at least spiritual now. And I think philosophically, there are different weights that we put on life depending on your religious or spiritual philosophy, right? So as an atheist family, our emphasis is on you only get one life, you got to make every moment of it count, and at the end, I want it to be pain-free, right? Yeah. And I think in a religious context, which is also a valid context people's emphasis is different because they believe that they're going to a different spiritual plane so it's like being there for the person as they leave one body and move to the next, right? None of us know what happens after death but there's two different emphases em- emphases? Emphases on um, what you do with people that die and I think uh, there was some debate about the way that my granddad was getting treatment towards the end yeah. uh, which i won't go into too much but it did make me <laughs> start to think like i should draw up a will and i should do a advanced care directive to instruct what my wishes are were i to be injured or incapacitated and i know and i also you know came like the the service had a fair dose of um of uh, religion in the, in the <laughs> proceedings. A um, couple of Bible readings led by a pastor. It, it wasn't like, it wasn't overwhelming, but it was definitely there. And, it's um, stuck to the system
0: once you, once you leave it and go back.
1: Yeah. Um, and so like at the start, they're like, Oh, let's stand up and sing a Psalm. Um, and I, I, we were at the front cause we were family. So I couldn't really tell, but I suddenly got the impression that my immediate family was probably the only people not singing in the entire <laughs> the yeah, yeah, yeah. church um which is fine like no one would have given a shit but they're singing a song that we don't know right like it's that's one of those things with church is they sort of expect you to know all the tunes and the words <laughs> and if you if you're a lapsed fan um yeah. then you, you don't have that immediately there um so there's this line of Four of us, like right at the front of the um, at the front of the church, and then up on stage were four uh girls women singing, um, like leading the the psalm. and we were probably three meters from each other, and in between was my grandfather's casket, and it we all stood up because it was singing a psalm. And they were on the stage. And it was effectively like we were paired up, one member of my family to one singing person on the stage, directly staring at each other's eyes for about four minutes as they sang a song at us and we did not sing back to them. (laughs) It was a very confrontational way to see, like, a musical performance. (laughs) Standing up, closely staring at someone who was utterly emotionless. (laughs) Um but yeah, uh, oh, okay. So I, I told you that I had a story from the service as well. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> so my granddad was, uh, Charles, was a fan of aviation. Um, big uh, World War One guy, big plane lover. Um, yep. <clears throat> enlisted for uh, the war, uh, the Second World War, but was denied to go over and fight because he was working in the railways and that was a key industry so they wouldn't let men who worked on the railways go on pilot was fight he a pilot or was he working he wanted to be he wanted yeah. he, he couldn't like he hadn't learned but he wanted to okay. Okay. um and so all his life he's loved aviation um and he wrote books on it and he researched the first world war and he's like uh, in his last 2 years when he was in the resting uh, in the nursing home um, you know fairly like on an oxygen tank fairly um limited in his capacities so very sharp mentally um yeah. he was doing research for the um, uh historical society and ended up um suspecting and digging out th- um that there were south australian servicemen who had fought in the great war Um, and hadn't been recognized for it so found 12 men's names who had gone and fought in world war one that weren't honored at the um uh remembrance wall memorial on north terrace and so because they didn't know they existed it's like Uh 100 years ago you know records were limited and uh Logs and things had to be correlated with London and all this kind of thing. So, but he was passionate about it. He dug into it. He found these people, um, sent it off. They got verified and, and agreed that yes, they fought in the thing. And so, they actually added names to the um, memorial wall, uh, wow. just three months ago on the back of my 90 year old, 91 year old granddad's work oh, to shit. honor them. And you know, the governor was there, and and their families were there, um, sort of grateful that their ancestors had been recognized were any of after a hundred years. Yeah, some like descendants. Yeah, um, none descendants. of the original fighters, um, right. I don't believe, <clears throat> but yeah, family in there. But he he couldn't make it because he was in the nursing home. So they honored him and like gave a medal and this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, kind of amazing. Um, That's huge. Yeah anyway that was a bit of a tangent from well it emphasizes the fact that he loved aviation right so he was also a bit of a, a tech guy um, he had a computer that he was doing all his research on and a scanner and printer and email and that kind of stuff you know not not fast by modern um, speeds but pretty competent particularly compared to his wife who never touched a computer in her life um, yeah. so he for his own knowing the end was coming for his own funeral service, A, made a folder of photos of himself. So that if they wanted to do like a slideshow or something like that, he he just prepared, oh, here's all the nice ones of me, right? That's pretty... Con- you want to use these. <laughs> yeah. Get my good side, please. Um, that's pretty cool. But best of all, and this was so surreal, he made a PowerPoint presentation to be played (laughs) at the funeral. And it was incredible. He was the old, like, it's a goddamn mic drop, like a troll of all ages. He made it. Wait, he
0: was taking the piss?
1: He Yes. He made a PowerPoint presentation, which had photos of planes on it, right? So it was just one after one slideshow of like fighter jets. And it was set to the tune, Celine Dion's I'm Alive. So he <laughs> transposed the lyrics of I'm Alive by Celine Dion and he pasted it on these photos of planes, like plane memes, and set it to the music. So we're sitting there in the funeral and and uh, my aunt comes up and says, oh, now uh, Pop says... Uh, Prepared something for his own funeral, so here we go. This is he wanted you to watch this, and then Celine Dion starts belting out through the <laughs> through the speakers, and we watch like three minutes of plain memes, which is just his photos of fighter jets with the lyrics to Celine Dion on <laughs> it, and it was fucking. Incredible. The idea that you're going to troll all of your grieving, like, family members and friends at your own funeral and force them to sit through an I'm alive uh, scored PowerPoint presentation. I was just like, oh, mad respect.
0: That is it was everyone laughing.
1: I, my, my immediate family, we were, like, trying to find that line between laughing at something that's so surreal and ridiculous and not laughing too hard because you don't know how appropriate it is at a funeral.
0: <laughs> but did he intend it to
1: be funny? <laughs> he certainly intended it to be wry. I don't know. I wasn't looking around to know whether everyone else in the auditorium was laughing or finding did it he touching. Did have a
0: sense of humour, though? When he he was did a have car. a sense of humour. Yeah, no. Yeah?
1: It, like, it was... He, he. You don't score or something to I'm alive for your funeral without getting that there's, like, some funny here.
0: fucking brilliant.
1: So, yeah, in the car on the way home, we just all immediately cracked up because it was yeah. incredible. The bulls. Ninety one years old and was like, I'm gonna fucking troll the entire <laughs> funeral service with that my is honestly shitty the PowerPoint to, memes.
0: To uh, to troll people from from beyond the grave. That is yeah. the best thing I can ever I can ever hope for.
1: Yeah, I want my um funeral to be an escape room. So they play a video of me that comes up and says, You got one hour to leave and you're gonna to have to work together to find all of the clues. <laughs> and then it's just like a free for all.
0: <laughs> I want like someone to be in the middle of a of like a really heartfelt eulogy, preferably crying. And then
1: This is for your funeral the, or my funeral? For
0: my, for my funeral. I've got different plans for yours. Okay. But very halfway through very
1: optimistic to think that you'll outlive me.
0: Um Probably, yeah. But, I mean, I can still make plans.
1: Yeah, put it in your will what you want to happen at my (laughs) funeral.
0: These are my plans for next funeral. (laughs) I want uh, a really heartfelt eulogy and then on a big projector above where the eulogy is being held, a pre-recorded message of me just popping on halfway through and just going, (laughs) and, like, looking at everyone in the audience and then, like, judging them and then roasting everyone.
1: Oh, you thought that suit was good enough? <laughs> Shine your shoes, grandma. Yeah.
0: Um I uh, I also um I didn't want to uh, detract from your dad's uh loss or his birthday for that matter. <laughs> Which um, was uh,
1: the same day as the funeral for context.
0: Yes. So I, I sent him a message um just saying, um <laughs> I'm sorry for your loss and also happy birthday. And I know he's got shit to do, but um, <laughs> he didn't reply to me for 24 hours. Oh my gosh. And uh, look, that was, and I know this is probably not a great time to say it, but the most emotional 24 hours of my life. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just waiting. Just
1: Did you send even... him a joke? Like, were you, were you thinking like, oh, he hasn't appreciated this? Like, oh, he's working Uh, out, like, how to respond. Or were you just thinking, wow, he doesn't even care about me at all?
0: I sent him, like, a very... Well, no, it was was genuine. It was a quick message, but there was some humor in there. Uh Uh-huh. I think I said, like, sorry for your loss. You can look it
1: up. You can know exactly what you said.
0: (laughs) You have the technology. I'm worried. (laughs) Um, I said... Hey, Jeff, just wanted to say, send my condolences for your father. I hope today was a good celebration. Nick said it was a nice afternoon. Also, happy birthday and enjoy your chicken. And in that order, there's a bit of. Yeah,
1: that's, that's, that's nice, know.
0: yeah. Um, but yeah, 24 hours of absolute torture for me. <laughs> because you'd never texted um, him before.
1: You had to ask never me Never texted example. him before. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. It's always remember. hard with a cold text
0: yeah uh, he did a nice very ma- very nice message back oh well, that's in good. the end um, yeah. which I didn't reply to out of spite <laughs> <laughs> now I'm gonna wait oh uh,
1: he'll be he'll be he'll have forgotten to be honest um should we do a seggy
0: yeah I've got a new segment oh have you got boy. a segment
1: oh I've got a few little dribs and drabs
0: I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna drop a brand new segment okay
1: you ready. Have you got a theme song? Are we going to oh, yeah, workshop this?
0: Yeah. Look, there is a theme song, okay. but um, uh, we're going to go... It's not prepared. <laughs> I uh, don't know so what I've got. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so there's no theme song. Um, so I've got this new segment,
1: Nick. Wait, there's no theme song. Sorry, I keep being distracted. What's the segment?
0: Look, you've seen it. You've seen it. Uh, as you know... <laughs> We have a one of our classic segments, if not our biggest segment, is science news. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought we'd bring in a new segment called <sighs> Seance News, <laughs> where I I give news about the paranormal world. Okay. Yeah. So when uh, when I say we've got a, we do have a jingle, it just <laughs> needs to be tweaked. Okay, just a little um, bit. You've got some bit. substitutions? It, it, it won't take much. Okay. Um. It could just be like, it's time for seance news. It's not even going to take that much. Uh-huh. And then, uh, like, ideally, instead of maybe, like, the beatboxing robot, we'll have, like, a... <laughs> like
1: a Wait, so thing are you pitching up. on me to do this before the presentation? <laughs> i <of> kind of. <laughs> I'm kind,
0: of, kind of looking for you. Sorry, I suddenly
1: understood, like, oh... You're saying this to me like you want me to do it, not like yeah. you've adjusted it. No, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'll just add that on my list for the extra hour of preparation that you want. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I'll just arbitrarily spend another extra day. It's fine.
0: Look, it doesn't need to be right away.
1: Have you even substituted the part everyone sings along to, which is the words that the robot says in the middle? Hydrogen. All right,
0: if I come up with new lyrics... Yeah, you've gotta you've you gotta to, to insert
1: You've gotta right. give me all that stuff.
0: Alright. And do I think
1: that. this time I'm, I'm gonna try and go even more like nasally in Australian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no
1: That cursed time Seance News Satanist Lucifer your board. Blood of the innocent. Blood of the
0: innocent. Blood. <clears throat> so, Nick, in Britain, right? There is a woman who has claimed to have Which had sex. Um, great one (laughs) claim claim the best one the best britain um claim to have had sex with 20 ghosts and is now engaged Oh, we've all had
1: sex with 20 ghosts
0: well have we i don't know if i have is masturbation
1: sex with a ghost i like to think it is in a way it kind of is
0: (laughs) yeah i was listening to people that's so
1: cold and sad
0: you know how Pete Holmes is a Christian. He was saying this thing on this podcast, which I thought was like kind of funny, but then also kind of sad. But he was saying when he was like a devout Christian, and he would masturbate, he would he would some he would be really worried that um, Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, would happen while he was masturbating, <laughs> and he was like he was saying like he was really scared about that. Like wow. he'd be masturbating and he'd already feel a bit guilty yeah. about masturbating. But then he'd be like, oh man, I'm not going to be ratchet. Jesus comes. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> that Jesus is. Jesus comes before I do. <laughs> that is sad. It is kind of sad. Isn't yeah. It? Anyway. um, so she's her now marrying had... this ghost. She's she's claimed to be uh, engaged to a poltergeist. Um, she says she's been. Poltergeist. With, had supernatural affairs with at least 20, su- 20 paranormal beings. And this is a quote from her. There was no. This is about the proposal that she received. There was no one going down on one knee. He doesn't have knees. He's a he. But for the first time, I heard him speak. I could actually hear his voice, and it was beautiful, deep, sexy, and real. This is a thirty-year-old woman, by the way. <laughs> That's comfortable.
1: I, You're just knowing that, like all of my um, favorite crushes, they always have voices which sound real. It's just nice when you hit that threshold of real.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What what am I looking for in a man? Oh, you know. Nice job. Nice to me. Good sense of humour. Exists in reality. (laughs) (laughs) This is is one of my favourite quotes. I'd not had a phantom fling for a while, and I was away on business. Starting a new relationship was the last thing on my mind. Then one day, while I was walking through the bush... Enjoying nature, I suddenly felt this incredible energy. A new lover had arrived.
1: And proposed then? Proposed on the spot? Or did they, like, start flinging?
0: Uh, no, it was a fling that, <laughs> that resulted in a uh, proposal.
1: See, I'm concerned so? for her. Uh, because poltergeists, <laughs> Too they're pranksters. Poltergeists... <laughs> They're the ones that yeah. throw shit around rooms. You know that's that's an abusive relationship, and I, I wanna, don't want to see, see the this. Woman that's getting innocent innocent divorce
0: from a poltergeist. Yeah,
1: yeah I don't want to see an innocent woman who you know just fell for an attractive bad boy with a real sounding voice, <laughs> uh, end the up in an unhappy boy. relationship a with a guy that's throwing stuff around the room. I mean, that's true. That's a lot of warning signs. Yeah, very um, so, tricky to get
0: a restraining order against. Very your, tricky. The spirit.
1: <laughs> yeah, you need um, I believe sage. Down. What? Yeah,
0: you can't. Oh. T- very difficult to time down.
1: Okay, yours was worse. Um, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it? That's a. That's a. That's good. Is it? Is that it? Dan's news-wise. Uh that's dance news. There'll
0: okay. be more. Um. Yeah. No. Future, I, I. I. So.
1: Sh- I assume there'll be many. Um. I just wanted to know if it was like a, a double barreled shotgun right out the gate.
0: Look, uh, well, just, uh, I'll look up some, it's kind of difficult to, to look up paranormal news because it's kind of a, uh, kind of an oxymoron. It doesn't even exist. But, um... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'll, uh, I'll do my best each week. Or maybe
1: once... I typed paranormal into Google and my laptop disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I didn't
0: um, actually get that.
1: But... That's okay. It, it made sense instinctively. Um, there is a uh, one person who I wish I could contact with the help of uh, a medium or a psychic medium, um, and that's of course George, 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 clue Clooney. George, George Clooney news. Watch out, watch for, out that. for that. Tree. Sorry, I went a little bit faster on that one. Um Watch I'm out sorry, for that. I was
0: keeping time. But it was all good. Yeah, but it's a delay.
1: Um, well, I mean, George Clooney's it. He just was at the Oscars, so there's got to be
0: news. Was he at the Oscars? I didn't see him. He's George Clooney. How is he not at the Oscars? Some oh, that no, Matt Damon wasn't.
1: Oh yeah, but he's a little bit. He's you know gone off. Was um, like so, popular. just popularity. Um, so here's how uh, George Clooney news works. For any of you playing along at home, uh, we type the name George Clooney into Google, and then we click on the first news article, um, <laughs> and here we go. We've just, we just keep touch with, you know, celebrities. They're just like us. Um, George and Amal Clooney are perfect neighbours. This is in the Express, the UK Express. Um, actor George Clooney may not be in the running for an Oscar, but he should get an award as a good neighbour. George and his <laughs> barrister wife Amal have been called model citizens for the respect and consideration they showed the local people, <laughs> which sounds very condescending. Uh, show the little people during the 18th month refurbishment of their £20 million home in Oxfordshire. The Clunies were also praised for taking an active, if discreet, part in village life, including supporting the local theatre and eating in local pubs. Paul Harrison, a conservative councillor for the Sunning Common Ward where they live, said, people have accepted the Clooneys with open arms. The upgrading of their house is probably the best managed I have ever seen because of the lack of inconvenience caused to neighbours. The road outside their property is narrow and busy, but they managed to agree with the owner next door to store all their construction vehicles in her car park during the renovation so they didn't cause any obstructions. Oh, it's just so nice. They just live in Britain
0: now. Apparently.
1: Apparently. Oh, and here's some other good news. They reduced the height of one of their CCTV cameras when requested. (laughs) That's nice. And uh, when they came up with bright white coverings and residents complained... The offending covers were taken away. Oh, it's just nice to know that... They comply. Yeah, they comply. Having bought the nine-bedroom grade two listed 17th century mansion set on a five-acre stretch. Thames. On the Thames. Yeah. Um, so it's just good to know they're just like us.
0: Just like us. Yeah. Moving moving their CCTV <laughs> on the... request. Just yeah.
1: like us. Relaying the lawn and the lead of the driveway. Oh, it's just... Mm. Uh, Gosh, it makes you feel happy to personally know George Clooney, doesn't it?
0: Ah, Georgina.
1: If you've enjoyed this kind of thing, well, I guess uh, I have some great news. Michael, do you know what the news is?
0: There's plenty more content where this came from.
1: I don't know why I tried to involve you in this. This was a fucking disaster. It was good. There's plenty more content where this came from. You can find it at deepfoot.pond what? What, Michael? <laughs> what did you have something to say, Michael?
0: No.
1: Cuz I thought you were a bit low energy and you're reading. Low energy. A bit low
0: energy. I was buzzing, mate. I had a sh- I was buzzing, mate. <laughs> yeah, I like I you said the second. Keeping it on a nice <laughs> <You took> 6.8 <laughs> the whole way through.
1: Yeah. But if if people wanted to find other content, where could they find it?
0: deepfought at gmail.com
1: too flat Deepfort at gmail.com is not where you get Uh, other content that's where you send us questions comments and your concerns you find other content at com, at facebook.com forward slash deepfort, and twitter.com slash deepfort. this is basic fundamentals podcasting 101 michael you fucked me over again
0: you fucked fucked me again I i fucked you right in the face This is why I can't do it. At least I can't do the (laughs) outro. Anytime I'm given
1: responsibility, I just make inappropriate sexual comments.
0: I don't know why. (laughs) I just want it to go away. (laughs) Uh, What do you got planned? I'm going to reheat a fish curry. You're going to reheat a fish curry? A frozen one that I made ages ago.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: How would you go about defrosting a curry? In the microwave. I, no. See, what do you I've mean gone. No? With, you'd go
1: stove. How
0: are you going to defrost it in a stove? What do you mean, how are you going to defrost it in a stove? Put it on a pan and put it on the stove. Well, this, would, this is what I've been doing while this podcast has been on. I've been running it underwater. What? Constantly?
1: Yeah. You've had the tap on for an hour. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh so like on a very low level. Why? What point Perfectly does it dribble? De- that's the perfect defrost.
1: But how? Why does that make any difference versus like having it, it just sit in water?
0: It lowers the temperature. The best way to defrost something is to put it in the fridge. Why are you trying to lower the temperature?
1: Um, to You're to trying to increase it. the temperature.
0: No, I'm I'm gradually lowering the temperature. Why are you lowering a fro- the temperature of a frozen item? Because um, you've got to heat a frozen uh, item. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, mate. You're, you're, I can't believe that you've had it sitting there in running water.
0: That's how you do it. You trickle it. You trickle a bit of water. You want. You ask any chef. That's how they'll do it.
1: Yes, I know that you can like do it momentarily. You can put it in warmer water and it'll defrost. No, but- because
0: then it then because then it lowers the temperature of the water. And then you've just now got a block full of frozen water. Well, not frozen, but very cold water. You want the you want the water to trickle down and keep turning it over, just turning it over, keeping it nice and constant.
1: Eleven years to a climate catastrophe. You're just sitting here just running water down the drain. Put um, it in a fucking well, microwave.
0: It's not no. You don't get an even. You don't get an even uh, thing. Stir it. I'm not a savage. Stir it. Stir it. Stir it. It's just going to, it's just going to, I'm going to get a block full of ice in the middle, frozen curry in the middle, and then it's going to be soup on the perimeter. How are you planning to heat
1: it now that it's defrosted?
0: Stove. So just put it on the stove. From frozen? Yeah.
1: Do you reckon that would do it? Yes. Would it? Yes.
0: That would save a lot of water. (laughs)